Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Lit Service, where we're fans of fiction and purveyors of dodgy writing advice. I'm Aaliyah, and something on my bucket list is to hold a spider because I'm very afraid of spiders, but I don't always want to be. You've never held a spider? Not even on accident? Probably on accident. Okay. Probably traumatic. Probably wiped it from my memory. <laughs> There's a difference between holding a spider and like having a spider on you. You didn't hold like a tarantula at oh, those never. like things when people come and visit your school really never kill me now no <laughs> i i'm with her i refuse that's just <laughs> thank you thank you well except that Aaliyah wants to hold one <laughs> i just want to feel like okay, I that is, I'm not with her. In my never life. mind i forgot you know, like, that part like of it you you covered some distance before you die you know i've, I've overcome spiders we'll you, see you, what happens you want to have the ex- have had the experience of holding one but you don't want to actually hold one Yeah, it's in the future. It's on my hypothetical bucket list. Okay. Well, I'm Caitlin, and unlike Aaliyah, who wants to do something weird and scary, I would like to go um, scuba diving in the Blue Hole someday. Cool. I'm Cameron, and I would like to build a castle in the middle of a dark forest. Ooh, nice. That's, That's a really cool one. I would fund you. It's the most Cameron you goal that. <laughs> that you could have had, unless you said something like, "I want to be able to turn into a bat." Well, doesn't it kind of go with this? <laughs> no, I mean, building a castle in a dark forest obviously goes with, and then abducting people and sucking their blood. Right, Cameron? True. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I believe Kristen's up next. Yes, I am. I'm Kristen, and I would like to um, climb Machu Picchu. Ooh, oh, lovely That's a good one. Oh, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm Namina, and I would like to um, walk out of a restaurant with a glass of wine in hand, like Rihanna. By the way, I have like a glass here, but it's actually kombucha, which is not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds gorgeous. But as you heard, we have our special guest today, Namina Forna. And Namina, we are so excited to have you on. Namina is the author of the upcoming epic fantasy YA novel, The Gilded Ones, which we'll be releasing on February 9th. So keep a close eye out for that. Namana, tell us a little bit about your book. Um, first of all, I'm so excited to be on with you guys. Um, and to tell you about The Gilded Ones, let's see. Uh, the Gilded Ones um, is a young adult fantasy that's set in an African sort of inspired world where every 16-year-old girl must go through what's known as the ritual of purity if you bleed red blood that means you are pure but if you bleed gold blood that means you're impure which means you are faster and stronger than regular people and also you have only one way you can die sort of like an achilles heel um so the so the idea is if a girl is impure um she's considered a demon and is sentenced to be executed my main character deka um discovers that she's impured and is immediately sentenced to die until she gets a reprieve from a mysterious woman who tells her that the emperor um, has created an army of girls just like her to fight um, these creatures that are now sort of uh, invading their land. Deka goes off um, to go join the army and fight, but in doing so starts off on a journey that changes the entire world. Um, And the way that I would describe the Gilded Ones to um, sort of let people understand it better, it's basically like if the Amazons from Wonder Woman or like the Dora Malahi from Black Panther were stuck in the world of The Handmaid's Tale and were like, let's burn everything down. That's a killer pitch. 
That sounds so good. <laughs> Thank you. Man, I can't wait to fev- till February 9th. Yay. That's so exciting. It's fun to check out. So today, as you can probably tell from our intro question, we are talking about plans for the future, specifically book plans. And Navina, it's perfect that you're on for today because it sounds like a lot of excellent planning went into both that pitch and the story itself. So we are just really looking forward to digging into this topic. Yes, let's go. Um, to get us started, well, that's a great question. Where do you even start with book planning? What is the, the number one go-to step? Oh my God. (laughs) Um, So when it comes to book planning, I sort of like have my process down. Um, I know that initially for me, ideas typically start with um, a dream or I read something or see something that sparks my imagination. I'm like, hmm, this is an idea. So immediately what I do then is I sort of pitch the rough idea to a couple of people like trusted friends and such to be like, is this something that has merit? And if people are like, yes, or if I feel strongly enough about it that I'm like, this is a great idea. It's not quite there yet. I put it on my back burner and I do what I call passive research. So typically that's about like six months to a year where I'm just reading things that are related to the book. Like every time I see an article with something that might be tangentially related, I read it. I watch YouTube videos. I watch, you know, documentaries, the history channel, whatever, just building the idea in the back of my mind. And usually then what happens is like literally typically six months or a year later, I watch something and I get the idea again and it's much stronger and fully formed now. So then I immediately write down the outline and then I go again through this process of talking with people and doing passes on the outline to make sure that it's exactly where I want it because I am now, because I I used to be a pantser. I was just like, oh, fly by, like, we'll just see where it goes. But now I'm like, let me get the idea and the story down on paper, at least to a shape where I know concretely beginning, middle and end and the big sort of set pieces in them. And then from there, once I'm solid in that, I'm solid in characters, I'm solid in all these things. That's when I start to write. And so that's sort of like my planning process from start to finish. I really love what you said about passive research. When you're doing that, you're not really looking with like a goal in mind, are you? You're just sort of like building like a bubble of, of thoughts that could end up in your book. Is, is that right? Yeah, because it's like you never know when stuff will spark you or when stuff will be like when stuff will be like super interesting. So you're just like, hmm, this is interesting. I might put something in the book. I might put this in the book. But you just watch sort of things that are tangential enough to the book that you're you're constantly sort of, I call it like the gestation period of the book. And like, I think like for me, this is the most important time because you're giving the idea space and time to breathe and to form. Because I find that a lot of times writers are like, oh my gosh, I have this idea. Let me write it now. No, we'll give it like, I believe in giving the work time to develop itself. And then I write. So you mentioned that you had ideas for set pieces. Could you define for our listeners what set pieces are just in case anybody doesn't know? Sure. Um, so set pieces, um, typically, and I'm sorry, this is a movie term. Cause I went, I'm film school person. So set pieces are like those big, um, sort of action pieces in a movie that you build up to. Um, but the way that I was using it is like, what are the big events that happen 
you know, like what is your inciting incident? What is what breaks the character into act two? You know, what is the midpoint? Like these are the things that I consider set pieces. It's knowing what are the the parts in the in the book that tie the story together or propel it forward. Yeah. And that's how I've heard it used to. I just worry sometimes about our newbie listeners who might hear us throw around language without actually defining it. Sometimes we catch ourselves doing that. Um, so you say you start with this big bubble where you're just kind of like marinating in information that could have something to do with your book. So how do you take that beginning and then turn it into a book? Like with the, I think the book is already there, right? So like by the time I'm doing that sort of marination, um, now we're talking in terms of cooking, which is my favorite thing. All right. So the book is at that point already there because I have the initial idea and then I, I let these things. So what the marination does is it allows me to craft things into like, oh, this is great. Like I'm working on theme. Like this is what the actual theme of the book is. And oh, this, these are what the big story points are. That's what the marination time sort of allows is um, really for the story to develop. And also for me to put in for me to learn the things that make the texture of the story so that by the time I get to the page, I'm not having to go back and like research and do things because it's like all already there. So I'm, I'm curious if you'll let me go off script just a little bit here, where in this process do you pick what your actual opening scene, like your first 10 pages, where do you decide that what that's going to be? That comes like, so that comes right after I write my outline once I write my outline and my outline is set, then I sit down and I write the pa- and I write the first 10 pages. And for me, the first 10 pages are the worst because I will literally spend the bulk of, um, well, no, the first 50 pages. I will spend the bulk of my writing on the first 50 pages um, because I think that they're the most important in setting the tone and easing the reader into the world. So like, I will literally like, say I have all the time in the world to write a book. I'll take like a month on the first uh, 50 pages and then a month on everything else. That's how important to me those first pages are. But the other thing is like, sometimes those first pages come to you as, as the initial idea. Cause like the Gilded Ones, like in, in its first iteration, the first page, the first line of the book came to me and the first line was, I was nine years old when I found I could not die. Of course, it's changed because it's a um, young adult novel and I had to age her up. But when the idea came to me, it came with that line. And sometimes that's how it happens. That was a killer line. I like what you said about, um, you know, keeping the core idea, keeping your story focused around the core idea. Um, But even when it doesn't come in those first 50 pages, do you feel like you're able to expand that initial spark of... I guess, the interest you have in the story into a full story? Or do you find that sometimes that initial idea um, turns into something new completely? Um, uh, it does sometimes. But again, that's why, like, that's why for me, typically books, like, from idea to actual writing of the page typically takes, like, six months to a year because you need that time to really figure out what the story is about. Right. So like by the time I've done the outline, I am set on what the story is. And like this is and for me, that's why outlines are important, because when I used to be a pantser, I would have periods where I would write and I would sometimes not know where to go. 
And that's because I was fancying because I did not have a plan for how I was, how I was going to write this book. I knew beginning and I probably knew end, but I didn't know middle and how to connect those things. And so I think it's so important. That's why I think it's important to outline because like once you outline and you figure out the story in the outline, then you can write everything else and not have to wonder about where you're going and also not lose steam because typically when you're losing steam, it's because you, you got lost in the sauce and you forgot what, where you were trying to reach. How much detail do you usually put in your outline? Do you have like every scene outlined or are you more of like a general beat sheet sort of outliner? So um, I'm a general, more of a general beat sheet sort of outliner. My outlines typically are like five to eight pages. And so what they are is like, I am following like, what's the character's emotional and physical journey. This is where they start. This is how they feel. These are the people they meet. This is how um, they interact with the people. This is what happens to them. This is where it ends. Now, that being said, that seems like a detailed outline, but really I'm just saying in general thingies, this is what hap- what's happening. Because when I actually get into the core of writing, I find um, I'm always deliciously surprised because there's things that pop up that I could not have accounted for in an outline and that the book is much better for. Like there's chapters that I had no idea I was going to write, but of course they all fit into the general course of the outline. So that's like for me, I think it's great to like have an outline that is detailed, but like has a little bit of air so that you are surprised. Because to me, that is the the delight of writing is that sometimes you're, you're surprised and you're like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen, but here it is. And here we are. And that's wonderful. Yeah, I think I think outlining gets a bad rap a lot of the times because a lot of writers feel like they'll be constrained or confined to the outline. Um, it'll hold them back. Um, but honestly, outlines, even really detailed outlines, are usually so so bare compared to the actual prose that later comes out. They really leave a lot of room for exploration. But I'm with you. I used to be a hardcore pantser, and I've since learned the error of my ways. Um, it's it's so much easier to be able to get those connections out and keep yourself on track when you're writing. Um, so that's a good kind of a good place to transition. Let's uh, talk about what things are essential to have planned before you begin your story, whether you're a pantser or an outliner, what kinds of things do we need to have before we begin? For me, I think you definitely need to know who the main character is. Who is the main character? What do they want? Um, what is their struggle in life that they have to overcome? And what is the lesson that they have to learn over the course of this book? I think that's like the basic thing. And also you need to know what the world is like. So I I like to think of this because, okay, so background. So I went to film school. I went to USC School of Cinematic Arts. And so that's sort of my training. So like when I approach writing, I often like, or I approach a story, I often look at it like it's a script. How am I entering a script? So the first thing you need to know in a script and in any story is what is your status quo? Who's your main character? What is the world that they reside in? What's their problem? What's the thing that, what's the struggle that they need to overcome? And what is the, what is the emotional journey that they need to go on? You also need to know who is the person or who are the people who are going to help them along the way. That's really important because then you can craft 
how these people interact with each other. Because sometimes you can plan, like, do you want these people to symbolize other things? Like, you know, like, like, you know, sometimes people write one character is the the ego and the super ego. Do you want to like go sort of that deep or like just questions of how are these people functioning in this world and moving the story forward? Because what you don't want to have is extraneous characters who don't actually move the story forward and slow the story down. And I think the other thing that you really should know when you write is like, what is the incident, the inciting incident? What starts the character on their journey? I think these are sort of the things. Oh, and of course, you need to know what the villain is. Is it nature? Is it the evil warlord? What is it? Who is it? What is the thing that is in the character's way? I think once you have these things, like pretty much everything else, you can sort of find out along the way. But you must have these sort of basics in order to continue on. Sorry, I saw some people's mouths open. <laughs> Am I cutting anyone off? No, I, I was just going to say that that is extremely helpful because I'm currently in the planning stages of a new project right thank now. You. So thank I you. Don't... I'm just taking really, uh, really, uh, oh my gosh, what's the word? Uh, the adjective Detailed. I'm looking for. Detailed notes. Exactly. Thank you, there Cameron. You <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is true for Caitlin, but I know for the other three of us, we've all gotten progressively more plan heavy as we've been in the same writing group over the last three years so um one thing i would actually recommend is there's a book called save the cat um Mm -hmm. this talks about film structure but i think it's super helpful just in terms of general structure um in and especially if like um you're writing um literature for young people you know um teens and kids you really want to have your structure down um and i find that film structure typically gives you like the bare bones of structure that you need in order to continue on with a story. Um, But of course, with the great thing about books is you have so much more space to like do different things. That's awesome. Thank you. The listener, check that out. Save the cat. Great book. We'd better move on to our next portion of the podcast um, before our Zoom meeting kicks us out. (laughs) In this portion, we critique an audience submission. Um, Quick review of how we critique. We try to be non-prescriptive, but you can check out the text for this submission and see all of our notes on it on our website, litservicepodcast.wixsite.com slash litnation. If you would like a first chapter critique from us, you can find our submission guidelines there. For this week's submission, a young ruler has big plans for her people, but her family and her enemies have big plans for her. What are some things we liked about this chapter? Do I go? Yeah, go for it. Oh, all right. So, like, first off, like, I loved um, this reader's way with words and their way with the descriptions. I mean, sorry, this writer's uh, way with words and their way with the descriptions. Because immediately, um, I was sort of soaked into the world. And I felt like I was in, like, this sort of airy, exotic place. um, And I had a really good sense of where I was and what it looked like. 
Um, I also really enjoyed, um, I enjoyed the main character. Um, my favorite part is when she's like, but I am a king. I tell people I am a king. And I was like, oh, yes, girl, yes. <laughs> so I loved, um, I loved that we have this main character who is sort of very firm in her beliefs and has a great understanding of herself. Um, I also loved um, one of the main character's sisters. Um, her name is Mir, I believe. Like, she came in chewing a sugar cane. And I was like, I have never seen that before. And then this character proceeded to just amuse me. So I really, really enjoyed that. I loved that sister, too. Um, and I, I think one thing that this writer has done really strongly is that she's built a really clear personality for the main character where she she's a ruler and she's concerned about ruling and there's this moment where she's thinking about how the rumors of her people's immortality could bring danger to their country and that was a really strong character moment for me because she thinks about consequences for things that other people wouldn't have to so I really appreciated that. I also really liked that we have some fun Boise stuff happening in this first chapter or in this first beginning sequence where they're arguing about whether or not her widow's peak is auspicious. And yes. It's just a fun, um, lighthearted addition to all of the world building and all the really cool stuff that went into it. What are some things that could use a second look? Um, I think for me, one of the, I think for me, there's a couple of things. The first thing that I would say is that I feel that the scene needs um, some reworking. And the reason why I say this is because I felt like there was so much um, descript, like there was so much description of like the world and like what was happening that we were sometimes pulled away from what is actually happening in this scene. Like what is the thrust of the scene? Um, and this scene is that Aya and her grandmother arguing about whether or not she should be married. Um, and then comes a message, which is very quickly followed by, oh, there's a bad guy at the gates. Am I, can I spoil this? I, I, well, anyway. So, and I, and I think we needed to like get through that sort of in a more connected way because it felt that every time the scene sort of started building, Aya would start thinking about all of these things that took us a little bit outside of the scene. Um, I think that the other thing is, and, and this sort of goes back to what I was saying, is like there were a bit too many details for a first chapter. It almost felt to me a bit like an info dump where basically we are being told like everything all at once. And I really, I think that one thing that we should do is like, consider who actually needs to be in this scene, who are the people that we actually need to meet in this scene, and um, what are the things that we actually need to know in this scene. The other thing was that I felt that there were a lot of new words that made up words that I, weren't, I wasn't sure were necessary. Like, for instance, I'm thinking of there, like, there was like a renaming of a sword, and I'm like, but it's a sword. And the reason why I would say this is because when readers, um, especially younger readers, see too many new words, sometimes they tap out. And it's better to slowly, uh, um, at least in my writing, I try to like keep my introductions of new words and concepts to like 
max three per chapter so as not to overwhelm the reader. Like, for instance, um, in the very first line, which, by the way, the very first line I thought was beautiful. The only thing I would say is that the title is italicized, like the whatever the name for being a king is, is italicized and is and is presented as in and is sort of presented in that sentence where I feel like perhaps if we saw it a little bit later and we had space to explain that, oh, this is what it means, it would be better. So I would just say, like, be more careful and more thoughtful about how we introduce new words. And the final thing that I sort of thought we needed to look at was what exactly is this world? Because I felt like there were so many times where I wasn't sure, like, is this an East African world? Is it an Indian world? Is it a Persian world? And I think that sort of nailing that down will help with the word choice that we use in this. Oh, and the final thing was that there were some iffy things about word choice, like some word, words sounded too modern. Um, so I would be careful about that. And then the other thing would like, there were words that were like so big that I had to go back and use a dictionary and be like, well, I'm learning today. And while I appreciate that, I feel like with, with, with that, like have one word per one or two words per um, chapter, just to make it easier on the reader. That was pretty much all the feedback that I had, but better. So I agree. You nailed it. (laughs) I did have one other thing I wanted to say about the, the guy who's invading. I feel like the character um, jumps to the conclusion that he's like at the gates, like the note so scary and cool that he's just like, put the tea on. I'm coming in pretty much. Um, But I'm not really sure why she jumps to the conclusion that it's from this guy who's been invading countries around her like have there been skirmishes is his army close by because i feel like those are things that she would know that would also clue me into the fact that he really is there and a threat on this note is very scary i would just add one more little thing which is to be aware of how distant the narrator's voices the narration is from the protagonist just because there were times where i sort of felt like i was out of aya's head and sort of viewing things through like a fantasy textbook rather than a fantasy novel. And I think that goes back to what Namina was saying about about info dumping, just making sure that we get it. We just get the information we need as we need it. All right. Awesome. Then thanks to this author for submitting. We enjoyed reading your work. And Namina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Our next guest will be Ben Grange, an agent at the L. Perkins Agency. If you'd like a critique from Ben, submit your work by January 28th. And if you like what you've heard today, please check us out on our new Patreon page where we have tons of awesome bonus content. Thank you to all of you who are already be- have already become patrons and are keeping us on the air. Thanks to our assistant, Chelsea Mortensen, who does all our social media, and Craig Harris, who's on sound design. We couldn't do the podcast without them. If you want to ask us questions, tell us we're awesome or whine about how your writing is going, you can find us on social media or email us at litservicepodcast at gmail.com. Please remember to like, share, and view the podcast. It helps us grow. Thanks for listening to Lit Service. We'll see you in two weeks. Mm-hmm.